Hey, what's up, folks? This is Tony Brew and Aaron Dotson, and you're watching or listening to, as the case may be, or reverse that, Christianity Now. Christianity Now is the podcast and live stream where we look at modern things and contemporary issues through the timelessness of God's Word. We have a couple of verses that inspired us to start this little experiment of ours. Aaron, what do you have from the book of uh-oh, I'm lost. <laughs> what in the world, Aaron? First Corinthians. No, first, yeah. I'm first, first you, yeah. you do Chronicles. That's right. Yeah, interesting. We got one in the old, one in the new. One's in yeah. First Chronicles, one's in First Corinthians. It's some similar words there. <laughs> yes, I I, I, re- I I reached for something and I grabbed both of them. I, then I, I had a panic yeah. attack. Yeah. First Chronicles, let's see, 12.32 uh, is in the context of the numbers of the divisions that were equipped for war, the people that came to David at Hebron to turn over the kingdom of Saul to him, according to the word of the Lord. It says, of the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Their chiefs were 200, and all their brethren were at their command. That's it. That's it. And I, I'll never get tired of saying it. David needed help Yeah, to lead the kingdom. And one of the things the areas of expertise of the people that were sent to help him was an understanding of contemporary issues. Yep. I'm not saying you need to get in the pulpit with a newspaper, but we need to have an understanding of the times. Absolutely. And, and I love, bear- yeah, I'm getting fired up. Sorry. I love how that verse says that they had understanding of the times to know what the nation ought to do. And the last phrase says, and all those brethren that knew that were at their command. So they didn't just know what to do, but they also were at their command, prepared to go, ready to. They, they were utilized. They, yeah, it takes both. I tell you what, this ain't got nothing to do, pardon the double negative and the use of the word ain't, yeah. with the podcast today. But the implication there is the people that had understanding of the times were considered valuable. And I think that sometimes now your congregation where you are and you personally may not be guilty of this, but I know that in some of the congregations where I've been, and even I myself have been guilty of it sometimes is that the, 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 the people who do have understanding of the times to know how the church ought to go, we don't value them and use them enough because who are they normally folks? They're your teenagers. Yeah. They're your teenagers and not just quote unquote young adults, but your teenagers and very young adults. Yeah. They know they have their thumb, their finger on the pulse of society. Yep. And I I think I think we underutilize them. Yep. Anyway, yep. that's that's just that's free for nothing. It won't cost you a dime more than you're paying now. Yeah. The verse in the New Testament is Corinth was evidently dealing with some things contemporary with the church in the first century. And Paul gave them some instructions. And we're not going to get into all that, but the, but this verse tells us, verse 26 of chapter 7, I suppose, therefore, that this is good because of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. And what that means is, as he is, was single. If you're not married, it would be good for you to remain unmarried during this present distress. And of course, we know that in the long ago, in the beginning, God said, it's not good for man to be alone. So Paul is 
making an exception to this generality. It's, it's generally not good for man to be alone, but during this present distress, it is good for you to be alone yeah. because it's one less thing you'd have to worry about. Yep. So yep. culture, I, culture does dictate sometimes how the church acts and reacts. I had someone recently say to me, but the church is always under persecution. I was, I was trying to make the point that sometimes are more difficult than others. They're different periods of yes. time, just like first Corinthians seven. And this individual tried to water that down and say, no, it that Christians are always under distress. And I was like, no, well, th- well, that's the thing. Not like first so. Corinthians seven distress. I'm, yeah. I mean, yeah. Why didn't he write that to Rome? Why didn't exactly. he write that to Thessalonica? Why didn't he write that to Ephesus? Yeah. Because it had to do with something they were going through that was unique to them in the time. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh-huh. All that serve godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Sure. But there's going to be times when it's like a, a widespread known, you know, yeah. circumstances going on where you're at. Absolutely. Connie Barden and Jonathan Exum, good to see you. And uh, Connie Barden, or Jonathan says, first Corinthians. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's funny. All right. The videos that I have for us this morning, uh, Anthony, what in the world? Here's the thing. I'm just going to tell you why I had that Freudian slip. I'm. De- it's bothering me to no end that my lighting is this way. And I know that after this, I was supposed to do it yesterday, but. We had a snowstorm. We got like a foot and a half of snow dumped on us. So today I've got to go to Best Buy and I've got to pick up another ring light. And I was just, it's bothering me. And I was thinking about Anthony and I going and anyway, Aaron. Okay. And I got called Anthony. And you got called Anthony. So Aaron, Aaron yeah. Dotson, watching Avenue Church of Christ, Jonesboro, Arkansas. Um, husband, father, brother, all that good stuff. Yeah, you know a few things about me. Yeah, I, I, I promise we've met before. <laughs> right. The videos I have today all build on one another. And the first, the, there's three of them. And, of course, I've got them edited down into one file because I'm crazy like that. The first video is a, a historical synopsis of a swordsman that lived in the uh, latter part of the 16th century, the, the 1500s. And in the first part of the 1600s, a lot of legend around him, uh, a lot of a lot of the stuff that they verifiably is true from reliable sources is fantastical. He's an amazing character in history. And then we have another video that shows um, some ignorance and unreasonableness. And then we have another video that is just quite frankly boss. And all of it has to do with swordsmanship. Every bit of it. All right. Put it on. Now I'm 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 going to let this first video, the the first one, play in its entirety. I'm not even gonna pause for commentary. This this creator on TikTok, he's worldly, so when he covers worldly things, he 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 says worldly words. I was able to use this one because he's covering something from the fifteen and sixteen hundreds and he's not using contemporary euphemisms and stuff like that. He he's it's no there's no foul language or anything in it. But some of his stuff when he's covering like um General MacArthur when he said I will return, um uh, when he and when General Patton and and a lot of other historical figures he he uses curse words. Yeah. But in this one he don't. So 
I'm That's kind cool. of excited. This is, this yeah, is all right. That's cool. And anyway, without further ado, let's do the video. When the greatest samurai swordsman in history was just 13, he accepted a challenge from a wandering warrior. Using only his wooden staff, he knocked the fully armed man to the ground and dispatched him with ease. When he wanted to prove the superiority of his unique two-sword technique, he challenged the greatest masters of Japan's most illustrious fighting school to single combat. After defeating two of their top swordsmen, he left the remaining students humiliated, and they resolved to eliminate him for good. Challenging him to a third and final duel, dozens of them lay waiting for him in ambush. But suspecting a trap, he arrived early and hid in the brush. When they began to assemble, the fearless warrior sprang right at them, taking down several before the rest fled in fear. When the legend of his skill spread throughout Japan, he attracted the fury of his most formidable foe. Known as the Demon of the Western Provinces, many considered him the greatest swordsman of all time. But after agreeing to meet him on an island, our samurai showed up to the duel hours late. Armed with only a wooden sword, he carved on his way from the oar of his robe. Enraged by this disrespect, the Demon of the Western Provinces threw his sheath in the water, swearing to show him no mercy. Striking each other simultaneously, the enemy's mighty sword graced his forehead. But his blow rang true, and when the dust settled, his opponent lay flat on the ground, never to rise again. When you're the only man to go undefeated in 60 duels, they don't just call you the greatest samurai swordsman. They call you Miyamoto Musashi. <laughs> Mi Miyamoto Musashi? Miya Miyamoto Musashi. Miyamoto Musashi. And let me tell you something. I, I just, it tickles me pink. I love it. I've always loved that era in our world's history. I'm so glad I don't live in it because I would have been, had body parts sliced off of me. Yeah. Um, but so this, this character is very, very cool. I watched like a two and a half hour documentary on him. And his skill with the sword was beyond compare. He did things with a sword, a katana, uh, a, a traditional Japanese uh, curved uh, single-edged blade that it, it's it's never been done and it hasn't been done since. And he had this dual-wheeled style. And he, he, he wrote a book uh, by Miyamoto Musashi, The Wandering Warrior, um, the brave fencer, uh, the, the swordsman, brave swordsman. And some of the things in the video that, that if you're not studied in these study, that makes me sound like I'm a expert. If, if, if you haven't read about some of these stuff, you'd overlook it. Like he had a duel and he challenged. So he would go around and challenge all of these masters in, in feudal Japan. And they didn't like that. He would always win. So they would treat him with disdain because he was challenged in their status quo. He wielded the sword better than any of them. And he challenged this one guy and everything was an honor duel. Well, Musashi, uh, 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 exercised psychological warfare. He showed up hours late showing a sign of disrespect. When he came, all he had was a boat oar, and he had carved it into the semblance of a sword. Now the thing about it is, if you'll if you'll listen to this guy's historical account, um, Musashi's opponent, his opponent's sword grazed his forehead, but Miyamashi's uh, or uh, Musashi's sword struck true. Musashi beat this guy with a boat oar. Now why? Well, it was kind of gimmicky. He made the boat oar six inches longer than a normal katana, and that spacing. And th it threw off the spacing and the timing of the expert, and he beat this dude to death with a boat oar. Wow. This guy knew the sword better than anybody else has ever walked the face of the earth. And there's so much that can be pulled here. I mean, what is the what is the 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 analog? The sword yep. of the the sword spirit. of the spirit. Yeah. And um, you know, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. 
the sword of the spirit. We wield the spirit sword. We have to be experts in it. And we have to be so good that really people who are not studied in it. In other words, somebody that is not a Christian should should look upon us with awe mm-hmm. at how well we know the Bible. Yep. That used to be the case, didn't it? Yep. I mean, I've always heard that, that brethren were known as Bible-toting, Bible-quoting people. It sound, it's almost like a, I don't know if it's cliche the right word, but it sounds so, I don't know. I think we're so, maybe so far removed from it now, it seems like it's kind of like, you know, once upon a time, long ago, in a land far, far away, and this yeah. cute little story. But I, well, I mean, I, I've heard my grandparents talk about yeah. what they believe to be those times when just ordinary, regular brethren, they were not full-time yeah. vocational preachers. They knew the Bible so well. It was common that regular members devoted their time when they were not working, and, and many of them would devote their time while they were working, you know, where they were like hoeing a row. Yeah. And they would have scriptures and read read it while they were working yep. and working with mules and things. Well, you know, think about when – you know what this is, the well, pocket New Testament. New Testament. Yeah. They don't make these anymore. Why? There, there's a reason why. That, I know. I have seen people do this, and I have myself contacted Nelson and different ones, and basically there's not enough demand for it. That's why they don't make them. Yeah. People don't understand. It cost. So this is a is a full Old Testament, New Testament. Notice the, the footprint. I mean, it's about the same. It's just not, of course, it's black. You can't see. It's just uh-huh. not as thick. Yep. It doesn't matter how thick it is. It, it, it costs just as much to make this as it does to make this. Yeah. Yep. So my point is this. They used those for, yeah. It, the reason there was a demand for them was because people used them, and they took, they had them, they used them in all, they took them in their pocket, their coat pocket, their back pocket, their everywhere. everywhere. They didn't have them on devices anyway, so right. And, you know, and I'm not saying anything wrong. Uh, Josh Ketchum years ago wrote a good article about why you need a hard copy of the Bible. I've been meaning to ask you that name of that guy in that article. I wanted to find that and talk about that one day. Yeah, Is it's it uh, it's www.joshketchum.com. Is it Ketchum with a K or a C? Yes, K E C C H U M. Just just like you, just like it okay. sounds. Okay. And um, yeah, I'm gonna look yeah John, Jonathan says he has a King James New Testament and LSB New Testament. And uh, Deborah says forty years ago when I first started attending the Lord's Church, I heard fifty years ago. No one wanted to argue with the Bible with a member of the church because they couldn't win. Yep. And yeah. And I believe she's telling the truth from her own experience and observation. So well, that means that could be a hundred years ago. That uh, well, could that, be. That's, that's the thing. When I, I'm 45, when I was very, very young, that's, that's what I heard. We really used to be people of the word. What stopped? I wonder. And I don't, I don't want to spend a whole, we could spend the whole you know, we could spend the rest of today yeah. talking about what stopped, but just yeah. for a moment, let's contemplate it. What What do you think did stop? I mean, there's just so many Micro, things. I, TV dinners is, yeah. is that what I mean? Yeah, the, people. The, 
yeah, like a lot of it, I'm sure, has to do with the families not passing down that same legacy to their yeah. generations below them with that yeah. same fervor and that same desire. Everybody wanting things quickly and now TV dinner, microwave dinners, uh, yeah, uh, phones yeah. that that just, I mean, video on demand, all this, that, and the other, just. Yeah, and just the idea, like I can't tell you how many otherwise godly people I've heard say things like, I want my children to have it better than I did. And the more I have scrutinized that and meditated on it, I'm like, what made you what you are is all the hard work you did to get there. So I don't know how yes. much we want it better for our kids. I mean, if I if my kids had it better than I did, they wouldn't – I don't – better, but you define better – you know, yeah. if, if you're born in abject poverty and you're starving every day and you only get a meal like once every three days, I get it. I want sure. my kids to have it better than I did if I was well, in that circumstance. So let, let's take a let's take a child and raise that child up and that child never lifts anything heavy. Right. What's he going to look like as an adult? But if you take a child and raise him up and that child works hard on a farm. Yep. What's that child going to look like when he I mean, he. The same child, you can take identical twins, genetically the same, and they will not be identical whenever they're matured yep. Yep. because one worked hard. The Kyle Budd, I listened to a sermon from him one time, and he talked about this biodome, and it had all of the trees, the flora, the fauna, everything else for these people to be trapped in here for like a, a, a year or two years or whatever. The problem is these trees got so tall and they fell over. They couldn't support their weight. Do you know what was lacking? Wind. <laughs> Wind beating against the trees as they're saplings, as they're coming up, strengthens the fiber of the wood. Yeah. And and so th what they had to do is they had to simulate the yeah. wind. Yeah. Is that yeah. not amazing? Yes, it we, is. And and that that's like just like okay. The reason why I don't look like I look like when I was 20, when I was 20, I was working hard in the apple farm. If I, if I continue to do that to, to this day, I would be big and barrel chested and muscular. Every place you touched me would feel like touching a brick wall. I mean, I was, I was 300 pounds of solid muscle. I had no idea what I was. Now I'm 400 pounds of flab. <laughs> And, but it's because yeah. I don't physically, I don't, I don't stress myself. Yeah. Therefore yep. I've gone weak. Yeah. So again, like it's kind of relative, you know, I want my children to have it better. What do you mean by better? Like, you know, growing up, I had three meals a day. I had loving yeah. Christian parents. We had warm water in the house. We, you know, we had, <clears throat> we had a lot of things. I mean, how would I want it to be better? Maybe there was one thing my parents did, you know, <clears throat> maybe, Maybe your parents spanked you every time you did something wrong and you grew up and say, you know, I don't want to spank my kids every time they do something wrong or I don't want to spank them at all, whatever the case right. is, you know. So I get that. There's ways you want to do better. But a lot of times people use that 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 wordage there in relation to physical betterness. Like I want yeah. them to have it better than I do. Well, if they have their physical needs met. I mean, they don't, you get, you set people up so high to where they're just being spoon fed. They don't know, like you said, they don't yeah. know how to move their arms. They don't know how to, and they're unhappy if they don't get to watch two, three, four, eight hours of TV or video games or whatever the case is. They don't you. learn responsibility and how to sweat. Sweating so good. Manual labor is really good for oh, everybody. The, the, we used to have a phrase, a saying when we trained horses, 
Uh, well, two of them. One, you know, every, when you start coach, you always start them in the late part of the year and ride them through the winter, and that way they're ready for the spring show season. They show as a two-year-old. And during wintertime, if you get one that's particularly uh, obstinate and, and dangerous, after you get through riding them, you'll untack them and, and you'll be putting them in the stall. And before you put them in the stall, you rub their old head and you lean in close and say, you understand July is coming, Bubba. <laughs> Meaning it, it's, it's, we're going to work you in July and, and the, the, the best medicine for a rank horse is wet saddle pads. <laughs> the best medicine for a rank horse is wet saddle pads. I told that to somebody one time and they said, well, what do you, what do you do to get them wet? Do you spray them with a water hose or something? Like, no, it's sweat. Sweat. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. sweat. You work yeah. them. Yeah. You work them. It's, if you got a dog that you can't train, run. Yeah. yeah. Get, get it tired a little bit. You got a kid that, oh, a lot of these people say, my kid just, he's ADHD and he won't go to sleep at night. And I gave some, I gave one person this advice whenever Labeth and I were family counseling. What time's your bedtime? We want him to go to bed at eight. All right. At 730. Go outside and walk for 30 minutes in the parking lot with your children. But that, that would wind them up. No, it, 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 it's, it's an expensive energy. Yeah. It winds them down. Mm-hmm. Yep. A lot of, lot of energy not being used. And that's bad for the mind and the body. Yes. I mean, that's so the other day I had a headache and I went out and I walked. Yeah. My walking has been off the last, you know, six weeks because of a precious new baby. No, but it's just, and I don't like it that it's been off because I usually walk at least about five days a week. Yeah. And I love that. I've come to enjoy it when I walk. And right. Anyhow, it's like I walked the other day and, you know, I just felt better. I think I, I, we got way far afield. I think if, and I can't remember why I went. Yeah, talk about talk about what changed it. What what are some yeah, things that yeah, yeah. changed that? Yeah, we're we think making it easier on the next generation is a virtuous thing. Now I don't need. To, I don't. I don't think we need to make it hard. I don't yeah. think we need to. Ha- I mean, like, hey, you know, my my son is going to have too easy of a time in life being able to see. So I'm going to poke his eyes out. <laughs> Right. Like that's obviously stupid. Yeah. But yeah. let's just don't work so hard to make it so easy. I'm going to pistol whip my kids so they'll learn how to be tough. Well, yeah. Or like that old Johnny Cash song. I'm going to name my son Sue and just leave. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> but, but anyway, so there, there's something else that I want to, this is a good segue into, um, what <laughs> there's two things from the, from the previous video. Notice what happened whenever he started defeating these masters. He was ostracized. Musashi lived the life of a nomad. He had no place to call his home. He was not accepted. He he was treated as a serf, a vagabond, a, a, a miscreant, a ne'er-do-well. Understand, Christian... And this may be what has changed, Aaron, because we don't want to be treated like this. Yes. When you show a level of study of studiousness, you will be ostracized by your group. 
Most, yep. if, if a kid young enough does it, if a boy young enough does it, we say, oh, we need to send you off to preaching school because there's something wrong with you. You're, and, you're not like and, us. And we think that's pious. Like, yeah, you know, he needs to go. That'd be so good. Yeah, We're not no. able to do that. He can. And No, you need to keep him at your congregation and you need to foster that. In fact, let me tell you something. Really and truly, what you need to do to, to a young man that, has, that shows this aptitude if there's nobody in the congregation that can equip him as good as any institution that's already in existence, you need to pull your money together and hire somebody to come in and mentor this young man. And you need to keep him. Yeah. Don't send him. Why would you send him off? Because yeah. he makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. It's like that's, the story. Oh, go yes. ahead. That's sorry. I mean, it's just not people. I think people mistakenly do it, though, because they think, but there's a great need for preachers all over the mission field. But there's a great need right where he is. This is our problem. We think the gospel needs to go everywhere except where we are. We need to send money here and there. There's people starving in China, starving in Africa, people that don't know the gospel in Africa. There's people right where we live in the same boat and we've convinced ourselves because of denominationalism is everywhere on every street and their buildings are butting up to each other that everybody knows Jesus in in 870 area code no they don't most of them don't it's very similar to Africa it's just a little bit different demographic maybe a little bit different yep. you know uh, more farming and less city, whatever, but it's the same type of stuff, but we've convinced ourselves it's, it's everywhere else, but where we are. What I tell these people in Riverview all the time, as we have defined the term in modern times, you are not a mission field. This, 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 the, the Riverview church of Christ is not a mission. I don't consider myself a missionary. Now, my contemporaries do because I'm an expatriate. I moved from my home country to another country to preach the gospel. Okay, I, I get it. That That's a viable definition of that term. But I do not consider myself a missionary. And I try to get them not to consider me as a missionary coming to... I'm a located gospel preacher preaching the gospel. Yeah. And, and un, I, I understand the vernacular. I understand that Paul went on missionary journeys. I understand that Paul was in Ephesus like... Is it three or three and a half years, Aaron? I can't remember. But he was in Ephesus quite he was in Ephesus quite a long time. And he was just a located preacher there, but you still call him a missionary because he was on a mission. That's what a missionary journey is. So I'm on a mission. Mm-hmm. So don't get me wrong. I, I'm not dumb. I know what missionary means. But as we have this definition in modern times, the Riverview Church of Christ is just a fully functioning church that's tasked. Tasked, I can't talk. That whose job it is to take the gospel first to where they are, and then yep. the uttermost parts of the world. Yep, absolutely. I mean, so like we recognize the way we use words, but there's also a sense in which we are all missionaries. Like we have a mission from God to glorify God, to serve God, to love our neighbor, to teach our family, to teach our community. That's a mission. That's God's mission. So in that sense, we're all (laughs) mission, but we've got this idea that like, no, you're not a missionary unless you go to another country. It's almost like a co-mission. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
and it's great. It, it just, I, I don't know. I, I love and appreciate people that go to other places to preach the gospel. That That's not a bad thing, but it's just, again, we can turn it into like some type of clergy, like yeah. they're this I, upper I think, echelon yeah. of the brotherhood, and they're more faithful than we are. They yeah. sacrifice more because they go to other countries, and it's like, why are you, we comparing ourselves with each other like that? that and, if, and if you got a man that don't have that diploma from a preaching school, you look at him differently than you look at a man that does. Yeah. Generally speaking, I don't know yep. if anybody in the comment section is right. guilty of this. Right. But I will be man enough to admit I have been guilty of it. Yeah. Yeah. Connie Bard says, I've heard of congregations who will send a person to preaching school with an agreement that they will preach in their hometown at least five years. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. I think that should, yeah. If, but, but also think about this. If that is the case, I'm, I'm sorry, Connie, I said that like you, I would be doubting you. I, I do not doubt you. Let me, let me reword it. Since that is the case that a congregation would do that, the onus then is upon them to provide financially. So that congregation needs to be the overseeing congregation that congregation needs to provide the bulk of support. They need to have that skin in the game. In other words, you don't just kick a kid out, you know, oh, you're 19 years old, go to the Memphis School of Preaching for two years, and then you got to come back to us for at least five. Bye. And that's all you do. You know, you, you've got to be personally involved. Yeah. Don't you think ideally what would be great would be if evangelists are doing what they need to do as Bible teachers and Bible students, then they can teach others also who can teach others in turn, Second Timothy 2.2. They're like re replicating themselves. Like yeah. I, in recent times, there are two guys here who have said, they said to me in a, in a uh, semi-private conversation, they said, we don't want to go to preaching school, but we preach and teach sometimes. We don't want to do it just like you're doing, Aaron, vocational, but yeah. we want to know the Bible more. How can we do that? And I said, that makes me think more about my responsibility, guys. Why don't we yeah. work together to, and, you know, they said there may be some others. I've already tried to teach and train on a private individual basis, yes. but we're considering, uh, I am with, even if it's just two guys, there may be more, do, even if it's a once a month Friday night class, you know, for whatever, yeah. that, that we can get into some specifics of how to study the Bible how to prepare a, a, a teaching sermon lesson and get, get some yeah. things in order so that they can be better suited to do it. Yeah. Let, let me clarify something. Jonathan's got some good comments in the comment section, and I, I want to just clarify. Jonathan's, we also need elders, deacon, and faithful members, not just preachers. There's no such thing in the Bible as a preacher as we yeah. use the term today. Yeah. It does not exist. There's evangelist. There's no such thing as a preacher. You will not find the the role of preacher anywhere in Scripture. Yeah, it's evangelist. Also, uh, what about a school of shepherding or one that covers it all? That's just me. There is already a school of shepherding and one that covers it all, and that is found in First Timothy uh, or Second um, Timothy chapter two, verse two. It's the local congregation. Yep. I, I I would I would be I would be uh in favor of the idea of shutting down every preaching school that is in operation today. 
<laughs> oh, people and don't hate you now, Tony. I don't really care. People hate me anyway. Yeah. I would be. But why? What's your reasoning? Because it needs to go back to the local congregation. Because we have created, a, I think, I think a hundred, well, a hundred, the, they ain't been around a hundred years. I think 50 years ago, back, you know, like back whenever Memphis School of Preaching, Bear Valley, all, all of these, that when they first started, it might have been a net positive, but people have changed. And I don't think the, the, the myopic way we look at things, we can't see very far into the future. And we had this unintended consequence that our preaching schools are not turning out evangelists. They're turning out denominational pastors. Yeah. Not going to argue with that. And, and it's, it's not, that it, it's, it's not, I don't know whose fault it is. There's yeah. nobody that I can point to and say, it's your fault. It just is. But you, 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 in other words, you don't have to be bitter. You don't have to be angry. You don't have to, you know, judge somebody harshly. But you do have to acknowledge reality. And all of our preaching schools are not turning out preachers. They're turning out pastors. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is, is what's happening. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like the, the Miyamoto Musashi. Um, you have the upper elite of swordsmen and they want to train the next generation of upper elite, a a swordsman. And if somebody comes along, that's not part of their club, they ostracize them. It's kind of like Amos when he went up and, and and talked to the prophets. He said, I'm not a prophet. I'm not even from the school of prophets. I'm not the son of prophets is what he said. Yeah. And, and, and that, that's the idea. He addressed that because that's the way people looked at him. It's the way people look. And, and that's the thing. He, he wasn't All, qualified. He didn't. Th- there's nothing new under the sun. Yep. Nothing new under the sun. Yep. David Stambursky, I don't, uh, copy and paste 2 Timothy 1.11 for me. Um, I don't know what point you're making with that. Um, so Amos, there, there's nothing new under the sun. Amos addressed by saying, I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet. He addressed the problem we're seeing today. Yep. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a preaching school graduate, but I know the Bible is the idea. Yep. Absolutely. Right. So we have another video. Now, this the, the first video was all about we have to be swordsmen, and we have to train, and we have to be good at using our sword. But and when you do, that? it provides like a lot of incredible opportunities. That's what. Yeah. Paul Paul was not called a Paul was called a preacher because preachers preach, David. There's there's no there's no example of a preacher in the Bible as we use the term today. Like Paul was not called a preacher as the office of a preacher. Yeah. Never, not once. Yeah, the word translated preacher, I think, means herald. Yeah, is the Greek word kerox yeah. or something. So cu- curios or kerox. Yeah. Something I can't remember. I'd have to. I'd have to look at the breakdown of it. I don't pronounce Greek words well. Yeah, I don't either. But that would be Paul. Paul would never consider him consider himself as the preacher at a local congregation. Yeah, yeah. He would consider himself the evangelist because that office is enumerated or elucidated in Scripture. 
Yeah. No, evangelist and preacher are not the same thing in scripture, evidently. Evangelists do preach. Right. But every okay. If I climb mountains, what am I? Mountain climber. A climber. <laughs> a climber. Yeah. Yeah. If I climb, I'm a climber. Yeah. If I run, what am I? I'm a runner. If I preach, what am I? A preacher. A, a preacher. Okay. Yeah. But that is not a title. That's that's an adjective that describes me. Yep. That's Tony. He's a preacher. Kind of like John the Baptist. Well, J- John baptized. What 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 he is baptized? He? Yeah, so he's he a baptizer. Yeah, he's a baptizer. Yeah, which we don't say baptizer, we say Baptist. Right. Cuz preachest, you know, sounds funny. But <laughs> But but what if but what if I were to say at the local congregation, I serve the local congregation in a formal way and I have a title. Show me book, chapter, and verse what my title is. Well, I'm not an elder. I'm not a deacon. What am I? I'm a Ephes- I'm an evangelist. Ephesians four and Second Timothy four five. Do the yeah. work of an evangelist. You're an evangelist. Yeah. Now, a- evangelist, they serve. And they preach. Mm-hmm. So it's okay to describe me as a preacher. It's okay to, to describe me as a minister. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when Paul said, if you'll put the brethren in remembrance of these things, you will be a good minister, talking to Timothy? Yep. You know the Greek word there is diakonos? Are, are you saying that Timothy was a deacon? Would you be okay with me calling myself a deacon? No, because it, no. it, that means something. So, anyway. Yeah, I think the short of it is preacher, servant, those are descriptive. Yes. The office, the the role, the work is evangelist. Yes. Ephesians 4, you know. Because I might, I might climb Mount Everest, and therefore everyone will forever refer to me as a mountain climber. Because if you climb a thousand, if you, if you, if, if you, uh, if you operate on a thousand brains, but climb Mount Everest once, you're forever known as a mountain climber, not a brain surgeon. Yeah. Aren't all preachers and teachers of God's word by the Great Commission, by the mission of the church? Yes. I think that's what Jonathan's saying there. He's yeah. asking in a rhetorical question. That's it. Right. They're, well, that's the thing. Yes. The preacher should be, should, should preacher should be a, descriptor of every member of the Lord's church. What happens though, when people misunderstand this, I think some people need to see that they've created, uh, they've created a a position that's not according to the divine pattern. There's a problem there. We, like you said, originally preacher, the way people use the word preacher today, because it's not used the way we use it today in the Bible times. It was, that was used to describe what they did. No, nobody, no, nowhere in the New Testament will you ever see somebody refer to the preacher of a congregation. Right. But we do no. that all the time. What yeah. are we doing when we do that? We've like created we're, a new position or something. We yes. Just, we, it, it's a pastor. That's what yeah. it is. It, yeah. it, and I made this point at bay and it was very hard for them to understand, but it took years. And they finally got it, I think, some, at least some of them. If you use the, the title preacher you might as well say pastor. 
Yeah. Because it's just as denominational. Yeah. It's just as denominational. Connie says the dictionary says evangelist is a person who seeks to convert others to the Christian faith. I mean, that's, yeah. Uh, and, and a preacher is one who preaches the word. But the title, and, and we have to let God define his own terms, uh, there are titles, there are offices of the church, and there is the office of an, an evangelist. There, well, let's go to Ephesians 4. Yeah, or, uh, Ephes- yeah Ephesians 4 real quick. Mm-hmm. Where is that verse that? Verse 11, I think, here. Yeah, and he himself ca- gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, and some pastors. The, King, the New King James and the King James says pastors and teachers. I've since looked at this. You and I talked about this some years ago, Aaron. It's pastors who teach. Now, there is a title called teacher, and that is uh, that is listed in in First Corinthians. It's twelve, I think. Yeah, but here it's not pastors and teachers. It's yeah. pastors who teach. First Corinthians twelve twenty eight. Would you read that since you're there, please? Sure. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles and gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties yeah. of tongues, etc. Now, question. Should everybody be a teacher? James 3, 1, no. <laughs> okay. So that means then that the, the – and, and I can, I, what I can apply to one title, I can apply to all. Should everybody be pastors? No. Not everybody can be pastors. Mm-mm. What these listed are specific uh, uh, offices in the church. So an evangelist is one who se- who seeks to convert others to the Christian faith. It is also used in the New Testament as an, an office of the church. You have a, a you have a person who is an evangelist, and a good example we have of that is Paul fulfilled that role for several years in the in the church at Ephesus. And the distinction I think you're trying to make is there's there's a brother there that's the evangelist, and the other members are not. Uh, the, the other members evangelize. The, the, yes. The other members yes. teach. There are other members who preach. Yes. But when the congregation is, is developed and they're maturing, they have a guy that's he's he's the evangelist. It's his that's formal duty. It's that's his right. formal office. Yep. And 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 if you want to know what the formal office of an evangelist is. Read First and Second Timothy and Titus. Yep, I mean Second Timothy two two that was mentioned earlier. First and foremost, that's the that's the job of an evangelist. Who has the others. authority? Who has the authority to rebuke an elder and 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 state elders, and 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 have elders leave and and dispose of elders? Evangelist. The evangelist. Yeah. Yep, that's First Timothy five. That's it. The letter was written to an evangelist. That's it. And the evangelist was to sin, to was to rebuke those that sinned in the presence of all. Yep. So the others would feel fear, mm-hmm. feel shame. Oh, that's where people just in their ignorance and whatever else. Oh, that means the pre the the preacher is in the eva- charge. The evangelist is in charge. Yep. He's over the elders. No, no. The word of God is over the elders. Well, t- Titus, <laughs> Titus two, the very last verse. The evangelist's job is only to make sure the word of God has a voice. Yep. Yep. Period. Yeah. Is that is that Titus two fifteen? Is that what you're thinking of? Yeah. Where it says, "Speak that? these things, exhort yep. and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you." Is that what? That's it. Yep. Your job 
Yep. Is to make sure the word of God gets a voice. Yep. Man, I love that. That's great. Yeah. That's and if you and if you got an elder that's not using his office the way it's supposed to be used, you've yep. got to publicly stand against him. Yep. And you got to make sure that nobody gets put in the office of elder that's unqualified. Yep. Amen. And it's and it's your job to ordain elders. You as an evangelist need to make sure that if you're the congregation where you are doesn't have elders, you are grooming, training, cultivating elders to take over that congregation. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yes, pastor is another name for elder. Yeah, another right. description. Yeah, I think uh, that hopefully we've gave some. Listen, if if this is the first time you're hearing this and you're like Tony, that's just stupid. I disagree with you. Just sit with it a while, chew on it for a while yeah. before you mm-hmm. go public and bash me. Yep, because um, I've been bashed for this. But thankfully, thankfully, many members preach. Yeah, privately and publicly, and we're supposed yes. to. Well, more more members should preach than teach. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Mm-hmm. I there, think that's, the, yep. Yeah, being right. not many teachers, knowing that we will receive the greater condemnation. Uh, that what that tells me is that um, there's a there's there's well, I don't want to get into it really, you know. But anyway, I want to go to this next because we, yeah, go to the next about, video. <laughs> we're talking about how to use our sword. Yep. Miyamoto Musashi trained his his sword was his life and he used it well. This video that we're about to watch is going to be an example of how not to use a sword. This guy's going to cut his leg off. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Put it on. And I'm not going to make the screen big because we don't. I don't think we need to see it. I mean, we need to see it, but you'll see enough of it. Actually, that's a lie. I'm going to make it big. There's no way Samson had big muscles. Why would Delilah keep asking him? Now, did you hear that? There's no way Samson had big muscles. And the argument is, why would Delilah keep asking him? What's the secret of your strength if he had these big rippling biceps? It ever impressive. No, this was another picture metaphor God was using to say, the spirit of the Lord is your strength. All right, so Aaron, that sounds really, really, really good until you think about it for about point zero 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 one seconds, and it falls apart because it's stupid. Yep. Go read the book of Judges and look at the feats of strength Samson did. It doesn't matter how big muscles you have. He grabbed the pillars of the city gates and walked off with them. Now, I don't, and, and here, here's what I've heard. Oh, you know, Samson... We we picture him as big muscles and 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 burly and stout, but really he was diminutive and probably looked pretty frail and weak. Like, no, yeah, no. They, they, I mean, we we don't know that he was big and huge and stout, right? <laughs> but still, but we know he did those things that were big and huge and stout. Well, well, but, but that's the thing. Why so, would you argue that though? That he was physically not big and well, strong. That he, here's something I have no problem with. I have no problem with saying we know how God works and how God uses optics to teach lessons. Mm -hmm. So it is very possible that Samson was not six foot seven inches, 350 pounds of solid muscle built like Bjorn, whatever the, the strongest man in the world. 
Poochie okay. Noski was the guy I remembered from a few years back. Yeah, I don't know if you remember yeah, that yeah. name. So, so dude, look at your straw man. He, we can we can say he probably didn't look like that, or at least we could say he didn't have to look like that. He could have looked like, we you know, we we uh, we talking to, to Brock in the in the message before the show. You know, Brock is 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 diminutive, and he's 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 a small fella. Brock, you don't look at Brock and think of picking up the pillars of the city gates and walking off with them. Okay. But he could have looked like that. Samson could have looked like that. Mm-hmm. And that would be a very interesting layer to what God was trying to teach the Israelites. I have yeah. no problem with thinking along right. those lines. Yeah. But this dude is speaking with an authority. Yeah. He's saying, no, Samson was small because this is like, dude, you're going to cut your leg off with your sword. Yeah. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter how big and strong you are. What Samson was doing was beyond contestation. What Samson was doing was superhuman. He mm-hmm. fought and killed a lion. Yep. Well, just that, because just because God gave him his strength, and there's no disputing that whatsoever. The question is, was he real big physically more than the ordinary person or was he not? What I'm saying, what my thought is, is just because he did all these incredible things, we know it's uncontested. He got his strength from God. Yeah. It was special strength from God. But that doesn't mean, that doesn't necessitate the conclusion then that he was wimpy looking. Right. That he was not six six. Yeah. That he was not big and bulky with big arms. Well, we don't. The, that's not. That's not information to draw such a conclusion. Well, it's the perfect example of defying the law of rationality in Aristotelian logic. Mm-hmm. You have drawn more conclusion than you have evidence. Right. And exactly. it sounds oh so good. Yep. Man, yep. I can't see Barney Fife fighting a lion. Absolutely, Scott. I'm glad you commented. I was struggling. Barney Fife. Yeah, Samson could have looked like Barney Fife. Yeah, he very well could have, and that would be a very would, again. I'm 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 open to the idea of that, and understanding that that could have lay, um, added a very interesting layer to the lesson that God was trying to teach the Israelites. I mean, look what He did with Gideon. Hey, you've got too many people, all the way down to three hundred. But to speak as an authority, like. We, when we know Bible he doesn't was, say it. We know he was little because God gave him his strength, and that means he was little. It's like you're drawing more. You only have you only we can only go where the evidence leads. Yeah, I've, I've heard the same. I've heard the same thing about Paul. Yeah, about Paul was probably a little man suffered from little man syndrome, and probably yeah. was just all kinds of stuff. And and I'm saying probably. Yeah. Well, they don't say probably. Like, I can have this conversation. So th- I don't want to bemoan this issue. I think everybody's in agreement that this is stupid, or yeah. at least if you don't think it's stupid, it's at least unwise mm-hmm. to teach as a, a, an authority a, a, a something that is not factual or not provable as factual. Right. We have th- th- This is what happens when people don't study, when they don't practice swordsmanship. Yep. They do stuff like this. Yep. Brethren do this a lot, and they 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 probably mean well. I, I don't I can't judge their intentions, but the conclusion yeah. is making a point that's not there in the text. Do you remember? Th- this was so I'm a little bit older than you, mm-hmm. and 
my of course my dad was a computer programmer at Goodyear since 1970 so we we always had electronics computers and stuff in the house my first email was whenever I was like 13 or 14 years old big country one at yahoo.com so I'm 45 and my first email was whenever I was 14 so do the math and you can figure out at what point in time in the early 90s Mm-hmm. That I had an email. Yeah. All right. This story about the Hubble Space Telescope was going around. That the Hubble Space Telescope could see so far that it could account for every single day in the Earth existence, except there's one space and time that can't be accounted for that's missing. It's not there. It's 24 hours. It's not there. And, and it's whenever... <laughs> Um, well, now I can't even remember uh, uh, Joshua's long day, Joshua's long day. And what <laughs> yeah. else? The, the sign um, where they turned the sundial back to the dial. For, oh, Ahaz, I think. Ahaz. Yeah. 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 Isaiah. Yeah. Well, like, oh, I can't tell you how many times I mean, people talked about that. It was read in youth devotionals. Like we just know God's real because of this. And like, I was just like, well, I, I'm dumb so, and I'm young. But how can you see something that's not there? Yeah. Like how can you account if it's if it's never if it never happened, if God did this and we were able to track these days, you wouldn't notice it was gone because you would have one period of time flow into another. It's something that didn't happen. Well, anyway, it turns out it, it come out that this was a complete fabrication. Well, that that did make people that profess faith probably look ignorant that they drew a conclusion I, before they. I know, you know, I know. But anyway, so that that that's the deal. Um, <laughs> Alan Allen said, "Why would the Bible mention the statue, the the stature of Zacchaeus and not Samson if he was a small man?" Well, I mean, that's the thing. Who knows? You know, that's yeah. Well, I tell you why because. There was a the, the, there was a reason we needed to know that Zacchaeus was a small man. Why he was up in the tree? I guess and that, it's because he 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 yeah he he had a hurdle to overcome in order to see Jesus. Yeah. Now, what hurdles have you overcome in order to see Jesus? Yeah. You know that that that's that's the Holy Spirit is not um is not arbitrary. Yeah. So, but good point there. But yeah, so. So we, we don't need to know the statue stature of Samson because we know what he did and it was superhuman. It doesn't matter if he was seven foot tall and five hundred pounds of muscle, or if he was five foot tall and weighed 110 pounds. Yeah. And I would say that he was probably a pretty big man because at the end of his life, when he was chained between those two pillars, he laid his hands on the pillars and was still able to push out. And do you think those pillars were set a couple of feet apart? They probably set, you know, five five or six foot apart. I guess somebody on the other other side would just say, "Well, it's miraculous." So you know, uh, yeah. I, well, I know, guess I, the Lord. Anyway, I'm, <laughs> all right. The point is, Aaron, we yeah. got to train with our sword so we don't yeah. do stuff like this and cut our leg off. Don't make conclusions that we don't that are not warranted by the text. Yes. Now. When you learn to use your sword, Aaron, you are going to have people come after you and you are going to have people try to get you to stop. Mm -hmm. And there's a, there's another video. Are you ready? Yeah, go ahead. 
All right, I'm going to. Now, this one's going to be hard because he uses uh, screen grabs of text that's been sent, it, that's sent to him. But I want the people that are watching to look at this guy's face. This guy, we use a lot of his videos here on Christianity Now podcast. People hate him because I, I'm really thinking, I, I, wanna, I think this guy's probably one or two good Bible studies away from obeying the gospel if, if we could get a hold of him. But that being said, let's watch this and look at his look at his face. This is a horrible page. I'm going to block. You need to stop. You're terrible. And all, all of them are like that. And he's just filling them up. All right. Look at him. Look at what he's doing. He's staring into the camera as if he's staring into the eyes of the people that are trying to shut him up. Yep. You can't stop. I won't stop. You can't stop me. Do you think I'm scared of you? He's determined. It's like in, in, in 1 Peter chapter 3. Always be ready to give every man an answer with meekness and fear for the hope that is in you. You swing that sword, Mr. E Executioner. Yeah. I, I have the truth on my side. You cannot stop me. Paul, you, you think that, that stoning me is going to get me to stop? If you stone me, I'm going to go right back into the city and preach. Mm -hmm. I recently had a brother send me a, a, a private message saying that he sent something out not too long ago uh, whenever the truckers were in Ontario or Ottawa, and he said it, it just came across as kind of arrogant, and I apologize. I said, first off, I don't, I don't think I saw it, but second, if it's the truth, you don't have to apologize for it. We have castrated our men, our warriors of Christ, so much by telling them they've got to be nice. When you come at me and you tell me that I cannot say something, that makes it so much, that, that, that multiplies by orders of magnitude more my need to say it. You will not shut me up. You will not keep me silent. And I'm going to say it, and I'm not going to go to the congregation that believes what I believe and holds my similar values and say these hard truths. I'm going to say it where people that disagree with me can hear it. If you truly believe that it's the truth and they need to hear it, why wouldn't you? Exactly. Well, you got to be nice. What's, what's the point, you know? It, when you use your sword, things get bloody. Oh, that's a good... When you use your sword, the person you're fighting is covered in blood. He can either be covered in the blood of Christ, or he can be covered in his own blood as he dies in his sin. It's a double-edged sword. Well, but they would say, but Tony, it's a sweet savor, too. It's a, it's a sweet honeycomb, too. It's not just a sword with blood. It's Well, then quit mixing your metaphors. Jesus, Jesus understands both sides. So here, here's the thing. What determines whether it's a sweet honeycomb or a bloody death is the way somebody receives it. That's it. People get caught up so much in the attitude of the preacher. Sure, the preacher needs to have the right attitude, but here's the catch that I think people need to hear. God's going to be the God's going to be the judge of the preachers at, of the of the evangelist, the preaching, the attitude yeah. of the preaching that's done, not the person that hears it. Because when there's a group of two people. 200 people, 2,000 people, 
a million people over a course of five years on the internet, they hear a video, every different person is going to hear something different. One guy's going to say, Tony, I just believe you're just standing what's forthright. You're just preaching out. And the other guy's going, he was so mean. He was yep. so mean. And it was Aaron, about the same phrase that you made. I have been told that I am a coward and I'm afraid to stand for the truth. <laughs> I don't think many people would say that about you. Of all the words that could describe me, some of them not very good words. Do you think cowardly would be one? <laughs> no. Not from my experience, no. Goodness. Scott I've Beck ne- says, I've never seen you act cowardly. No. <laughs> you see me act foolishly. You see yeah, me say something so. that, that I probably think, yeah. I shouldn't have said. Yeah. Yeah. I, I shared a meme on the cogitations page that says, I don't get near enough credit from people for the things I don't say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that tickled me. <laughs> okay. Check this from Scott Beck. Uh, Scott, I've I've stolen something from you now. It's forever going to be mine. You can have it back, but only after I get you through with it. Anyway, it, it, it is taking the harmless as doves too far. You know, we need to be har- uh, shrewd as serpents, but harmless as doves. And people, I think, misinterpret that as you need to be helpless. You, they, 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 they take away our weapons. Don't use that sword for for its intended purpose. Oh, cool beans! See you, Connie Bar- Barry Odell is, and, and we need we we need to wrap this up too. Uh, you got to get back to that little baby and mama. Well, yeah, the, the the baby's little, the mama's grown. So yeah, that's right. <laughs> we can we can talk a long time about this one I, I, I know. because you know preaching the truth in love, people misuse that. Oh, yeah. you know, chari- love, charity is kind. They don't. Yeah. They Let don't look up the word, quick. you know. That word kind in 1 Corinthians 13, it means useful. It means we, we, useful. We think it, people make it, people think it means attitude, and they get to decide whether your attitude was nice or kind or not. Yes. that That's so arbitrary. That's, right. Because, well, like, again, one guy sitting there hearing your sermon going, that dude's mean. Aaron's got an attitude. I can tell. There's a sister yep. over there hearing the sermon. After it's over, she's going, <laughs> yep. hey, sister, somebody said I was mean. Do you think I was mean? Honest to God, Aaron, I don't think you were mean one bit. That's What's it. the difference? Who gets it's to decide? received. I, uh, Jonathan points out Jesus in Matthew 23. Was Jesus harmless? So the, the answer is, is yes and no. And, and I understand the point you're making, Jonathan. I agree with it 100%. Mm-hmm. For, for this conversation, um, he, he was harmless in, in Matthew 23. But from the, from the standpoint of the Pharisees, he was harmful. Yeah. You know, why do we allow ourselves to be judged and to live to the standards of people who hate us? Go read Proverbs 33. 27. In fact, let me just read this. One of my favorite passages in Proverbs. You know, usually the people that think you're preaching and teaching is mean or it's this or that are people that already have a problem with you. Yeah, they're the ones that need it the most. They're already critiquing you about every little thing you do or every little thing you say. Like they're the arbitrary judge. Yes. Listen to this. 
a stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than both of them. Wrath is cruel and anger is a torrent, but who can stand before jealousy? Do not try to live up to the scrutiny of the fools, or do not try to appease the wrath of fools, and do not try to stand up to the scrutiny of the jealous. These people that are our enemies of the cross, I don't let you determine whether or not I'm mean. Because I know that a couple thousand years ago, a perfect man walked the face of the earth, and you thought he was mean, and you put him on a cross. Yep. I'm not going to be as perfect as him, so I'm going to fall short. I can't live up to your standard if he can't. So I'm just yeah. going to preach the truth because I love the truth. I'm I'm going to make sure that I'm 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 going to go I'm going to try my best not to be offensive with the truth, but I'm not going to mitigate anything that I say so as not to offend you. Yeah. And Jonathan says to clarify the point where he preached like Joel Osteen. Exactly. I I'm I'm yeah. I'm with you Jonathan and mm-hmm. I don't want you to think that I'm pushing back against you. I just wanted to add another layer for the conversation. I I agree wholeheartedly with you. No, Jesus was not harmless in Matthew 23. Yeah, because the truth that he taught, they perceived it as harmful. Yes. They were talking in their circles. You see what he's calling us, Pharisees? You see what John, his cousin, was calling us, brood of vipers? And When have we been under know. bondage? Yeah, we've never been under bondage to anyone. Well, get on the horn and call Caesar and ask him if you're under bondage. <laughs> exactly. Good grief. Yeah, it's, it's all about the hearer and the attitude yeah. of the hearer. You know, and we're not talking about sin. A preacher can't get up and just sin. You know, he's sinning. Right. He's just right. cursing the assembly out. That's, well, that's, that's blatantly not useful. Yeah. I mean, that's unkind, but, not useful. But, but this but, guy, the way he made that video to address things, yep. most people who are in Christ would say that he's doing the wrong thing. Yep. And and my point is, well, why? Mm-hmm. Like, even look at the even look at what Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. He said, my answer to those that examined me is this, and he publicly dealt with their accusations. Yep. Yet we're not allowed to do that. Yep. That we're not allowed to. Do. I got I got called out because years ago I put a post out on Facebook. I said, I don't look like a preacher. I don't act like a preacher. My content don't look and 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 don't look like preacher content. But I'm not doing it for preachers. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody thought that I was being mean. I'm still looking for that verse that says to be nice. Nice. Yeah. It ain't there. Still looking for that. And don't and don't tell me First Corinthians thirteen four. Be kind. Love is kind. Kindness is much. To, kindness is like niceness is the opposite of kind. Really. Niceness is, no, Aaron, you look perfectly well today when you got a big old smear of mustard down your cheek. That's nice. Kind is, Aaron, you look like a stinking slob. You got mustard all over your face. Yeah. Well, now that's being kind. That one is useful. One is not. Yep. Anyway. We need to, we just... Every single one of us, we got to check our attitude. 
That's right. What are we looking for? Are we looking to critique the preacher or to dislike the preaching? That's it. When it doesn't make us feel good. And 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 we're using the preacher and preaching not as a formal title. Mm-hmm. But every member of the Lord's church, that, that's what happens. Yep. Vody Balkum, an ecumenical uh, pastor, dealt with this. He talked about it, a violation of the 11th commandment, thou shalt be nice. And a Christian will yeah. be debating an atheist about abortion. And the Christian will get incensed and speak in final terms and speak passionately. And the Christians will be more offended at the person who is debating the atheist than they are at the atheist idea of killing babies in the womb. Yeah. Start turning on the guy that's the theist. Yes. Anyway, we got to use, we got to practice with our sword, Aaron. But are we trying to please men or please God? You know, Galatians one, that's the thing. And we got to practice with our sword. If you're trying to please man, you're not going to use that sword the right way. No, you're not. But if you use it the right way and you devote yourself to it, there are going to be people that don't like you for it. There are going to be people that oppose you for it. You better believe. That's a reality that all Christians must, you know, accept. I mean, you I must be aware of that. And that's what happened to Miyamoto Musashi. Yep. He lived a life where he did not fit in yep. with his kinsmen. His like, brethren, a roaming, his, like a roaming vagabond. Yes, his kinsmen, his brethren, according well, what is it? Paul, what did you say? Let me go get this verse. I, I wonder why the Lord didn't have anywhere to lay his head, you know? Was it true. not was it not in part because he was so often rejected everywhere he went? Well, yes. And and that's the thing. Miyamoto Musashi had no place to call home. He did not fit in with his brethren, his kinsmen according to the flesh. Mm-hmm. Because he was able to use the sword better than anybody contemporary with him. Yep. If you're able to use the sword of the spirit, you will have no place of belonging with your brethren, your kinsmen, according to the flesh. And sadly, sometimes your brethren, your kindred, according to the spirit. Mm-hmm. So let's work on changing that. And that's all I've got, Aaron. That, that's, that's, that was the theme of the show today. Yeah. I like that. I like that. It's so important. I've enjoyed this so much. We just, you know, our attitude is so important and our attitude must be consumed in the attitude of Christ and reaching lost souls, you know, just uh, teach standing for the truth. Obviously we don't need to purposely be hateful. No, when, you know that we're not, nobody's saying that that's stupid. That's foolish. I know we're, we're talking about teaching the whole counsel of God to remove that hurdle. So people can get where they need to be. And then somebody sitting back judging the preaching by saying, well, I agree with what you said, but not the way you said it. I'm sorry, but I'm getting so discouraged hearing my brethren say that. I know. Thankfully, I don't have much of that here, if any. No, but, nor do I. I. But that is a rampant attitude. I see that attitude online. I hear about it in places. I agree with you, but I don't agree with the way you did it. I know. Well, what about this one? Um, Hugh Hefner is going to spend an eternity in hell. We know that for a fact. Oh, Tony, oh. you're 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 an example of everything that's wrong with the church today. I was told that. I was told that by this kid Crossno from your area. Hmm. 
he wouldn't just affirm. I think his name's Cross Snow. He's a graduate of um, what's the uh, Crowley's Ridge College Bible College. Mm-hmm. He would not affirm that Hugh Hefner is going to spend an eternity in hell. And the fact that I said it makes me an example of everything that's wrong in the church today. That's uh, that's definitely going overboard there. I, I mean, you think God's going to send somebody to heaven against their will? No. Absolutely not. We have to be willing to stand for the truth, teach the truth and the whole truth, and be less judgmental on our yeah. brethren even. Ain't that the, ain't Sometimes that the truth. we're so hard, you know, we, we're, we're – Again, generally speaking, we're we're strong to don't be judgmental about these people out in the world and be nice and all these kinds of things. All the while, we're cutting our brethren's throat and we're watering down the truth. Well, I go back to the first video about the Miyamoto Musashi. You had a man that was better with the sword than anybody, any of the experts. And instead of acknowledging that skill and his skill did not diminish theirs. I mean, don't you think the swords masters were were skillful? Yep. Well, they couldn't stand him. They couldn't. They couldn't. They didn't want him to exist. Just that, that's what we. My advice. My advice too is just let's quit being quick to judge our brethren about things when they're teaching the truth. Yeah. If I hear Tony say something that crosses me side, just just keep your mouth closed and think about it for Chew a while. Chew on it for a little bit. Just instead of just coming out public going. Well, you're the reason the whole church has all of its problems, or, or whatever. Or <laughs> Could just you imagine? Or, or I can't believe you'd say that, Tony. That just disappoints uh, me to know. And I know you teach the truth, but it's I, like just, just chew on it. And you I've can contact people so privately too. You can, yeah. con- you can, you can talk to people and say, "Did I hear you wrong? Talk to me about why you said this." Yep. You know, I'm gonna tell you up front. It hurt me when you said that. Yep. But at least I'm coming to you about it. Yep. I, you know what I'm saying? I, and you, you, quick you, to not you, judge. Have, you have to be willing to hear. Listen, I, I understand. I, I validate the fact that you were hurt. Yeah. But I'm not going to change what I'm doing because your being hurt is not important enough to me to yep. change the preaching of the truth. Niceness is the opposite of kindness. One is useful, the other is not. Thanks for the clarification. I, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, again, and I, I, let me remember: niceness is the opposite of kindness. There is context and nuance there. Okay. Um, if if you take away from what we've said and think, well, I can be offensive with the truth. That's the wrong takeaway. Right. If you try, if you are offensive with the truth. That, well, there's a difference between being offensive with the truth and offending people with the truth. Yep. Niceness kind of, well, again, this is what we practice niceness in small doses. My wife asked me, does this dress make me look fat? No, it's that, it's that Twinkie you eat for breakfast that made you look fat. Okay. That's <laughs> neither kind nor nice. It's the truth. <laughs> but it's neither kind nor nice. You can be kind and be like, well, honey, I love the way you look. And that dress, you're asking me my opinion, that dress is a little tight on you in areas. It's not as flattering as some of the other things that I've seen you wear. 
that is that is kind and that is also tempered with niceness. Yeah. Yeah, I think the way we use the word niceness, niceness has to do with it negating truth. It, yeah, negati- it negating the yeah. whole truth being taught. That's the context in which we've discussed this. We're not yeah. saying there is no way in which a Christian can be nice. Right. And niceness needs to be eliminated from our lives. Well, absolutely yeah. not, because niceness, when when understood in light of you know Christian kindness and Christian yes. love and benevolence and all those things, can be someone saying, hey— once you take another cup of coffee I've made for you, that's, yeah. they're being nice. They're, yeah. you know, they're providing a nicety. They're, it's not flattery. Yeah. It's not false. It's hey, you know, we've got this. We've got an extra set of tires. You can have yeah. them. They're yours. No questions asked. You got a flat tire. I, that's nice. That's kind. That's yeah. you know, we. I tell you, ki- kindness, true kindness, is never harmful. Some nicety is, let's see, kindness is never harmful and it's always useful. Nicety can be harmless and sometimes useful. Man, I wish I could get that written down. That was good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, because I don't know why I'm going to say it again. Right. That's what I'm (laughs) afraid of. I'm, 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 I'm ordering. I'm so glad she posted this because it's made me, it's making me flesh out this thought. Absolutely. Me too. I can be nice and not be harmless. I can be kind. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm losing it here. Yeah. My, my point is this. Um, and and she says absolutely within context. And so, I mean, she, and, and look, Cinta, we're, we're passionate right now. We're ginned up in our upper brain. And our brows are furrowed and we're pounding the te- desk, so to speak. That's not <laughs> yeah. because of your comment, I promise. Right. It's because of the right. subject matter. And yeah. Aaron and I kind of feed off of each other. Yep. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna think on these things and I'm gonna try to order yep. my thoughts around this and 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 try to come up with a really good, succinct yeah. way of saying the like difference that. between niceness and kindness. Me too. I'd like that. It would be helpful to me too. And a lot of people, I think. I, I don't, I don't think kindness is ever harmful. Niceness right. can be very harmful. Yep. Yep. Kindness is always beneficial. Kindness is always beneficial. Niceness is, is, is not always beneficial. Yep. Scott Beck said, I've been guilty of not letting things marinate for a while before reacting. Yeah. Uh, me too, Scott. Many it, times. Welcome. Well, welcome to the club. And that's what I'm saying. My advice that I would like for our viewers to consider is that like, because some of the things that have helped me a lot, when I hear somebody say something, just think for a while. You don't know. Often you don't know exactly what was going on. Right. Why they said it, why they said what they said. But if we look at things just fact on fact, Fact on fact is individuals that are not in Christ are going to hell. And if you water that down, they will never learn that they need salvation. It's awfully nice to water it down, though. But that's that's the thing. People think they think they're going to heaven where they are when we water it down and we try to lead them on in some other direction of what we think is niceness or kindness. Yeah. We can be biblically kind to people that are lost by helping them to see the error there without 
being offensive with the truth. We can. Yeah. And we could talk about that in another episode. Sure. Just, Absolutely. I, I would probably good. Talk about ways yeah. that we could act that would be offensive with the truth. On the other yeah. hand, the truth does offend. Yes. And and we've gone 16 minutes past the, the, the yeah. time where I said, well, we're done. Yeah. So we're not really done. Evidently, I lied. <laughs> yeah. But I think we need to stop now. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. And thanks for those last comments there. That was Yes. Good. We appreciate y'all greatly. Thank you so much. Uh, we love the show. Couldn't do it without you. Thankful to DigitalBibleStudy.org for letting us use their platform. And uh, yeah, that's all I've got. Aaron, you got anything to close? That's all I got. Thanks to everybody. Appreciate right, it so be much. Be sure. Oh, sorry. I talked over you. No, go ahead. Okay. Well, be that sure and subscribe and be the algorithm for us. There's 10 of you left. Um, there have been 15, but we, we lost about five in the last four or five minutes. Um, <laughs> share share this. Uh, follow Cogitations. Follow 2 by 2 Podcast. And uh, be the algorithm for us. And that's all I've got here. God bless y'all. This has been Christianity Now with Tony Brewer and Aaron Dotson. And we'll catch y'all on the flip side.